Hey, are you, uh, are you Chuck? Oh, man, you know, they won't change that flyer. That's my mainland name. My Hawaiian name is Kunu. Oh, cool, sorry. Yeah. Nah, it's all good. Does Kunu have some, like, cool Hawaiian meaning? It means Chuck. I plugged it into a database. There's a thing you can go on on the internet. You just type in your name. And, then it, and it just says it. What's your name? I'm Peter. Peter? Yeah. I'm gonna give you a Hawaiian name. Oh, great. Kiopi. Great. Kiopi, looks like you got a little pain behind those eyes. Yeah, maybe a little. There's really only one cure for that. What's that? Weed. You got any? Uh, well, let's go surfing. Okay, when we're out there, I want you to ignore your instincts. I'm gonna be your instincts. Kunu will be your instincts. Don't do anything. Don't try to surf. Don't do it. The less you do, the more you do. Let's see it pop up. Pop it up. That's not it at all. Do less. Get down. Try less. Do it again. Pop up. Nope. Too slow. Do less. Pop up. Pop up. Too, you're doing too much. Do less. Pop down. Pop up now. Stop. Get down. Get down there. Remember, don't do anything. Nothing. Pop up. Well, you no, you got to do more than that because you're just laying. You, right out, looks like you're boogie boarding. Just do it. Feel it. Pop up. Yeah, that wasn't quite it, but we're gonna figure it out out there. Let's go surfing. Come on, everybody's learning how. Come on, uh, the weather outside is weather. The following film podcast frequently contains adult content, including foul language and descriptions of adult situations. Spoilers for the films discussed occur often. Listener discretion is advised. Now take it away, Dr. Rausch. <laughs> They must be destroyed on sight! Welcome back. It is They Must Be Destroyed on Sight, episode 174. And 175. Either... God damn it, did I just fuck that up? You did. I think we should leave it in. <laughs> it is episode 175 of They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. <laughs> I am. I, I, I did a podcast before this. I've been drinking. I'm a little fucking slammered at this point, so... Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's fine. You know, no, no one expects anything more from us at this point. <laughs> no, no one expects quality from us. What, what the fuck? It's just, it's, it's fine. Uh, but I am Lee. When life gives you lemons, just say fuck the lemons and bail, Russell. And I'm um, joined by my co-host Daniel. I wonder if the carpet matches her pubes, Harper. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. I'm just happy it didn't go. You know, I like to beam my L on her T's. You know, which, which <laughs> where I thought you were going to go. But, you know. 
I didn't want to get too tawdry on this. Like, well, at least not at the very beginning. Not not <laughs> not in the introduction stage. You know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're uh, finishing off our sex comedy series here, and we're doing a suggestion from Daniel himself. We're doing forgetting Sarah Marshall. So uh... <laughs> yes, we're doing forgetting Sarah Marshall, which is uh, probably my favorite of the Jed Apatow produced films. I haven't seen them all, but I've seen a lot of them, and this is my favorite. So, What's the real name of this movie? What's the real name of this movie? Yeah. I don't know. What is the real name of this movie? <laughs> I can't even remember anymore. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've totally fucked this up already. <laughs> Should we start over? We can start over. I'm okay with that. For a minute, I blanked, and I was like, what's the name of this fucking movie? <laughs> <laughs> and so today we're going to be talking about Forgetting Sarah Marshall This is a film from 2008 It yes. is uh, starring Jason Siegel And Kristen Bell And Mila Kunis And uh, Russell Brand And Jonah Hill Yeah Directed by uh, Nicholas Stoller And uh, written by Jason Siegel as well Yes yeah. And if you're, if you're Jason Siegel Clearly the thing that you need to do is Whenever you write a film, you include uh, at least one, if if not two sequences, in which you show your giant horse cock. That's the goal. <laughs> Jesus, guys, this, this dude th- showed his dick, like, in the first half of this film several times. Yes. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, no, it's, it's a good dick. I mean, even the doctor says it's a good dick. Yeah, it's a very it's a very nice dick, you know. It, it, he also shows it in, uh, he also shows it in uh, Knocked Up. If you remember that oh, one, yeah, yeah, he he's the one who ends up naked outside, and they claim that was like they drew short straws as to who got who had to be naked for that. But yeah. I kind of like to think he was like, oh, uh, it looks like I got the short straw, and I get shown my big dick. That's the you know, I, I kind of feel like that's what happened with that one. Honestly, I'd say this is the peak of the uh, Judd Apatow weird sex comedies about fucking losers who have beautiful women fawning over them and they're just like conflicted about that shit like yeah yeah <laughs> it's it's kind of that before we get into that of course we do have the preamble to this podcast i i do have a format for this podcast i it, <laughs> i think i do i think this might be the drunkest lee has been doing this podcast i've i've i have drank a lot of the beginning at least in yeah. the beginning yeah, no, I'm, I'll get better, I'm sure. Um, Fine. First off, just one comment to get through. Jeff Williams, again, a liar. Jeff Williams, you're a liar. You had no movies to recommend. You recommended a movie this week. He says, The Ship of Monsters from 1960. Two sexy female Venusian astronauts are tasked with kidnapping males from around the galaxy to replenish their now extinct population on Venus. Before they can complete the mission, and with a cargo bay full of dangerous monsters, the smoking hot space gals and their robot are forced to land on Earth to effect repairs. There they meet up with a lonely but braggadocious Calabrero who becomes smitten. Mexican sci-fi that is incredibly cheap, cheesy, and wacky, and all the more charming and enjoyable for it. And that sounds kind of cool. Why have we not watched this already? The question I, I I think this is going to be on Jeff Williams month. Yeah, <laughs> you had me at like 
Mexican like sexy movie from 1960. Honestly, yeah. like that's all you had to tell me. It's like, yes, I'm down for this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm pumped for this right now. I'm like, why am I not watching it right now? <laughs> I know you have nothing you watch lately, Daniel. I don't. I don't watch anything. Yeah, I just no. That's kind of a thing. Uh, I'll, I'll just mention. Uh, I, I watched the second season of uh, Mine Hunter on uh, mm-hmm. Netflix. I thought it was great. Uh, it, it front loads the first half of the season with look how many awesome serial killers we can show you on this series and interview. There's, I think, the best ever performance of uh, Charles Manson I've ever seen on screen in this mm. uh, series. From what I understand, the guy is the same guy who does Charles Manson in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The guy obviously watched the uh, Charles Manson interviews that showed up in the 80s for like you know all the different like uh news shows and shit he's scary how good he is and uh then there's another guy who does son of sam uh berkowitz Uh and he's fucking eerily just fucking great scary how good they got these guys and like they front load the season with our main characters interviewing these serial killers and then they get into the Atlanta child murders and, and they get into that whole, uh, thing. Oh yeah. And, and I, I mean, that's... Check... I, I, I kind of like hate like the, the, because it's kind of about like profiling, right? Am I, am I understanding that? It, it's sort of... In a way it, it's, it's proto profiling. Sure. It, it's a way to say, it. I mean like, like criminal profiling, like I'm not saying it's not a thing, but it's not so much of a thing as TV wants us to believe, you right. know? And uh, I kind of have a an issue with like kind of like pursuing that. Um, I did listen to the the uh, like fifteen part podcast uh, about the Atlanta child murders, which left me um, somewhat unfulfilled in the sense of it really never comes to a conclusion. And then they yeah. did like a bonus episode where they like brought out like a profiler who's like, well, well, he totally did it. And I'm like, I'm not me. Shrug. I don't know quite how I feel about the, that. Um, you know, uh, the, so... the, the series reflects that. Um, yeah. I mean, they, they have this guy who looks really good for killing 20 kids in his, you know, Lane Williams. Yeah, Wayne Williams. Williams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, they totally reflect the reality of the situation where he was uh, knocked for killing an adult. He was never charged for the child murders, and there was a lot of people within his community who thought he never did it. So well, the... and and there's a lot of like not just the twenty murder, the the Atlanta child murders, but there are like many many other murders. Like they claim, like oh, the murder stopped after he after he was put in prison, but mm-hmm. like ultimately, like and eh, well, not not really. Like when you yeah. when you look at like you know, depending on how broadly you define your characteristics, and there was like some suspicion of clan involvement and all that sort of thing, and it just sounds yeah. like there were a bunch of little children who were being murdered, and maybe this guy had connection to a handful of them maybe but even that seems like kind of iffy based on like far you know like fabric analysis sorry i'm just right. going by what i know of the the case sorry i'm not trying to like get us off into a completely no, like, no, we're gonna do a true you're, crime you're, podcast you're right you know? though yeah no no um it, it's very respectful of the the crime and mm-hmm. the information and the best thing about the series is just it just lets characters talk. It doesn't push 
this series doesn't push an agenda. Like, it doesn't make you mm-hmm. feel either way about certain characters and serial killers and stuff like that. But as far as a recreation of these serial killers and how they actually are, this series fucking nails it. They've uh, casted people who not only look like the real-life serial killers, like the guy who looks like Charles Manson, the guy who looks like David Berkowitz, they're fucking spot-on. And when you look at them, their scenes, when they act, you, you compare that to their interviews, it's fucking creepy as shit. Like, it's oh, almost yeah. like they went back in time and brought them forward and filmed them. Like, it's, it's that good. I, I may actually check this out then. I've been I've been kind of resisting like some of the true crime stuff on Netflix because well, like, I've just <laughs> been kind of on the like you know it seems really exploitative and stuff. But now I'm now I'm actually interested. You know, I, I don't feel as exploitative at all. Although I will say you know our mutual friend Jack Graham uh, put some very funny <laughs> fucking like memes about basically you know here here's what Mindhunter really is. And although he he admitted he hadn't watched it at all, but he just made <laughs> right. some funny jokes about it. <laughs> and it nice. And I, and I got a kick out of that shit. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, it, it's very much worthwhile watching. It's it's a really good series, and uh, I, I think everyone watching will feel the same frustration that the FBI agents have, sort of tackling the Atlanta child murders case, because it it treats it very real. It treats it just like ground level here's all the politics and the different social issues that went into it there's no clean conclusion to it it's it's just yeah i I listened to the atlanta monster series and i know i mentioned the uh like season two of that was uh the zodiac killer case they covered the zodiac killer case and then i went back and listened to the atlanta monster series and uh you know that was uh again very well executed it's a very good like telling of that story and it leaves you frustrated partly because like the story feels frustrating you know um i do again i feel you know like (laughs) as someone with a deep respect for investigative journalism to someone who you know like i just wish they had like i feel like they they lacked a a certain and here's like kind of our take on it or here's like a like a sort of a an answer that we bring even if like something that i could disagree with i just feel like it kind of you know it's just like and that's kind of what happened you know and then yeah. you know i don't know like it's it's a, it's kind of a frustrating thing yeah actually i do have another netflix series i watched um in the last two weeks if you want to mm-hmm. i completely yeah. forgot about it you know no, uh, i watched the family um this is the uh netflix it starts off as a little bit of a docudrama, um, kind of a, a story of, of the family. This is a uh, political group in, in Washington, D.C. This is deeply religious, uh, basically kind of a, I don't want to say a cult, but it's sort of this, um, it's a group of uh, young men who are groomed to uh, kind of be part of, you know, kind of the, the high echelons of, uh, you know, kind of, in Washington D.C. society, kind of like Skull and Bones in college. It's less of that, and it's more kind of like you know, like if you you, you kind of get groomed to be in this, and then you're like the whole goal is that uh, you're going to influence uh, like huge events. The like the only minister to 
kings and queens and presidents and senators, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's this kind of secret behind the scenes organization that is uh, kind of ultimately as you, it starts off fairly innocently. Like you kind of learn this guy, Jeff Charlotte, who uh, wrote a couple of books on this. And I, and I really want to read these books now that I've seen the series. But it's this guy's story of like kind of being brought into this and like his experience of it. And, uh, you know, as you as you go on, you, you gradually like the concentric circles get bigger and you learn the kind of the mm-hmm. bigger story of this. And ultimately it's like, you know, why are there anti gay laws in Uganda? Well, it's because members of the family have like gone out like part of the like moral majority bullshit have gone out and like basically uh made that happen, you know. Mm-hmm. And so so there's this kind of like deep far right reactionary kind of like movement and it's all happening because like there's essentially this like very behind the scenes cult leader uh named uh, uh Jeff Coe who has uh kept his name successfully out of Google results by essentially sure. like getting people to like take his shit down and keep keep his name like very much out of it but like mm-hmm. the national prayer breakfast like started in 19, 1952 and it's like the same organization and like every US president has been there and it's like it's a really really interesting thing and I would definitely recommend it to anybody with any kind of interest in uh, kind of US politics it, it definitely mm-hmm. uh worked for me I was really not expecting it to like it as much as I did based on the first episode, which was mm-hmm. much more like it felt a little bit basic and it felt a little bit kind of like docudrama-ish, but it becomes yeah. much more documentary once you kind of get past the first like episode, episode and a half. So like uh, the one thing I'd say is like kind of stick with it. If you're if you're like me and you're kind of like, I, I kind of just want the more traditional documentary style. I kind of get why, okay, we're going to front load, like, <laughs> the, the the young people who are good actors, like, sitting and, like, doing a, a little bit of a, a documentary style, you know, kind of, um, you know, like, we're going to recreate some of these scenes. But, no, it was it was very good. Um, Netflix is going to die once Disney Plus happens, so uh, let's enjoy <laughs> it while it lasts, you know, ultimately. Are you so sure? <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure, yeah. <laughs> Once Disney Plus has, like, every Marvel property and every Star Wars property, yeah, no. Uh, Netflix is done for. Netflix, uh, yeah, you had a good run. <laughs> Roughly 20 years, you're going to get crushed by yeah. Disney. As as are we all. Eventually, this podcast is going to be a Disney product, you know. <laughs> well, I, I want the Disney money, so... <laughs> Yeah, they're going to pay us $30 a year, and it's going to be like, well, fuck that. Like, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Well, yeah, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, We're going to play some music uh, from the film we're reviewing tonight, and we're going to have some podcast promos, and we'll be right back. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. How peaceful it looks. Most effective, Your Majesty. We'll destroy this Earth. Destroy it. 
Rick and Danny in Wool Rocket Ajax. So, just destroy it? That's what Ming said. Don't you ever listen? Well, there's no arguing with Ming. Hail Ming. Wait! You see those transmissions on the visual screen? Crow? Nightmare on Elm Street? Chud 2? Black Belt Jones? Nightbreed? What's a critter? Oh, I've seen those things. Flash? I guess we could wait a while before the destruction. Yeah, and watch the movies. And talk about them. The Hell Ming Power Hour. Disobedience to Ming. For now. You can find us at Legion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. iTunes. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. At www. You know what? Just Google it for yourself. Just Google it, you bastages. Hail Ming. Breaking 2? Electric Boogaloo? Samurai Cop? Army of Darkness? Flash Dance? <laughs> <laughs> We might destroy the planet if it's flashed out.
All right. Forgetting Sarah Marshall from tw- 2008. Hey, you got here fast. I got a surprise for you. Peter, as you know, I love you. Are you breaking up with me? Pete, are you, um... <laughs> We're leading different lives. It's like you're standing on the dock and I'm in the lake. Sarah, I swear to God, I'll jump in the lake like a merman. Do you want to put some clothes on? Would you like to pick out the outfit that you break up with me in? Sexy crime fighter Sarah Marshall has been spotted cozying up to singer and notorious Lothario Aldis Snow. <laughs> She's dating somebody. And until I do the same thing, I'm going to feel like I want to die. Hi. 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 Do you mind not saying that? Do you want to gag me? Kind of now. I had sex with this woman who I barely even know. I'm really scared that I have an STD, Doc. Peter, I'm a pediatrician. Have you noticed you're sitting on a fire truck? (laughs) Everywhere I look, I'm reminded of her. Why don't you go on a vacation? I could go to Hawaii. Welcome to Turtle Bay and enjoy your stay. Peter. What are you doing here? (gasps) This is a disaster. Go someplace else. I'm not leaving here. It'll look like I'm running away. I'd like to grab some dinner, please. Is your girlfriend joining you? No. You're just by yourself? Yeah. I just would be so depressed. Wait, wait. Did you see her boyfriend? He is ridiculous. I like her hair. I wonder if the carpet matches her pubes. Get out of your head. It's really nice out here. Are you going to jump or what? Come on, Peter. I can see your vagina from here. I'll jump. Universal Pictures presents... My homie over here on this honeymoon. Are you giving to a hard and rough... The wife wants me to do certain things. No, no. God would not put a playground next to a sewage system. A comedy about getting left behind <laughs> and coming out ahead. I think it's good you're getting out there. I think you need to move just a tiny bit further away from the microphone. Okay. No closer. Oh. Now a little further. Okay. Closer. And then... Oh, I know what you're doing. You <laughs> stop that. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. That's a great necklace, Liz. Did you have that a second ago? Oh, that's gross. Directed by Nicholas Stoller. Written by Jason Siegel. Uh, Jason Siegel as uh, Peter Breder. Kristen Bell as Sarah Marshall. Mila Kunis as Rachel Jensen. Russell Brand as Aldous Snow. Bill Hader as uh, Brian Breder. Jonah Hill as Matthew Vanderwick, Liz uh, Kakowski as Liz Betterer, Jack McBrayer as Darnald Braden, uh, Maria Thrayer as uh, Wino- Win- Wyoma Brady, and Paul Rudd as Chuck slash Kunu. And uh, I'll throw over to you for a synopsis, a quick synopsis there, Daniel. Sure, I have nothing planned. I didn't know I was going to have to do this, but uh, I've seen this film many times, and uh, this is the story of Peter, who is dating Kristen Bell, who is a gorgeous actress, both on and off screen, Mm -hmm. uh, within and without the movie. Um, In the movie, she uh, stars in a kind of CSI-like, very (laughs) shitty uh, NBC show, which Peter does the music for, and uh, then they break up because uh, she thinks she can do better than him. And uh, he goes through a period of deep, deep de- depressive sadness. 
uh, after showing his penis on screen <laughs> and showing his ass in a uh, recording session and uh, decides to uh, travel to Hawaii to go on vacation, which he finds out, like, oh, my ex-girlfriend and her rock star boyfriend, Russell Brand, are already there hanging out. Um, it's a very uh, convenient uh, contrivance uh, to find them all in Hawaii at the same time. But ultimately, it works. It turns out Mila Kunis is the absolutely uh, fucking amazing uh, a hotel clerk girl who uh, takes a like uh, takes a takes a shine on to our, our friend Peter, and uh, ultimately it's kind of a series of uh, very awkward encounters and sometimes sexy encounters among the four people. Also, Jonah Hill as a uh, other <laughs> as a, as another employee of the uh, hotel who uh, is uh, kissing uh, Russell Brand's ass uh, for the entire film. And uh, you know, yeah, that's that's kind yeah, of a thing. And then and, kinda... and then there's a Dracula musical that gets uh, both uh, performed and then later witnessed. And uh, yeah, every yeah. It, you, you get a happy ending. So you know, it's great. Yeah, no, I, that's way better than what I would have pulled Fry out from IMDb <laughs> if I if I had the wherewithal this week. Apparently. Yeah, yeah. So, it's yeah. fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's funny. The difference is when you ask me to do a film from, or, well, I picked this one, so it's fine. But, mm-hmm. you know, like, it's very different when you're like, oh, yeah, we're going to do a film from like 11 years ago versus like 1935. Uh, <laughs> the level of, you know, like, give a shit that the internet gives us, you know, like, so. Yeah. This is but, a film that people might have heard of. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so, Daniel, what's your sort of general thoughts on this one? I really like this one. I picked it. Um, this is my favorite of the Jet Apatow kind of mm. produced films, particularly around this around this time. I haven't seen all of those Jet Apatow films, but I've seen a bunch of them. My now wife saw this in 2008. It came out in April 2008. We saw this theatrically in like the super ritzy theater. <laughs> In my like mm. hometown, where like they decided like oh the way we're gonna get people to come see movies is we're gonna give you like big padded heated seats and it's, like <laughs> uh, eighteen dollar cocktails and that's how oh, you know we're gonna get wow. you to come see movies and I think we saw it like at a four p.m. showing at you know it was a very like snugly the two of us alone in the theater kind of thing and uh also i've been through like a bad breakup like that and i think it's one of the best films i've ever seen about a breakup i mean i would you know in a lot of ways i would put this weirdly next to the apartment in a lot of ways in terms of like kind of a kind of kind of a like a, a romantic comedy with sort of a a deep kind of personal trauma at its center. I mean, it it would be very easy to kind of see this as like, oh, this is kind of stupid man pain bullshit. And like, I kind of get that, but it's also like really well performed and it's really well executed. And I think it, it comes across as like, I mean, the whole point is that Peter is like, he's going through some shit and he's going through like kind of a personal like trauma and he feels like he's not really kind of good enough to be with his like kind of celebrity girlfriend. And uh, ultimately, it's also kind of about being uh, kind of a working class person working in Hollywood, which I think is also kind of an mm-hmm. interesting angle that the, that the film takes. You know, that's something that you see a little bit here in these kind of Judd Apatow productions. The idea of kind of like just the idea of like, 
you know, I work in LA. I have like kind of a a shitty job within this industry, but also, uh, you know, like ultimately he's deeply successful. Like to do the music for this like shitty TV show, <laughs> probably the pinnacle of his career, and it sucks. And that's kind of an amazing like thing for like a film <laughs> like this to to sort of recognize. This this was a comfort movie for me for a long time. This was one. Uh, I saw it theatrically. I own the DVD. I actually watched the sort of unrated version. I like rented it on Amazon mm-hmm. just to sort of like see the the kind of the 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 unrated version. Which there's some stuff that I think is not. Uh, it's hard for me to remember exactly what was and wasn't in the kind of original cut on that. You know, uh, it's mostly the Kristen Wiig yoga shit. Yeah, yeah, it's mostly that stuff. And then like I think a couple of lines kind of here and there. It's not. Yeah. It's not a dramatic difference, but we also kind of like, uh, you know, my wife and I owned the the digital download version of this, mm-hmm. and so like it was just on her laptop forever, and so we ended up just kind of watching it because it was like the only movie we had available before there was streaming <laughs> video all yeah. the time. Um, and so this is one that I've seen, I mean, many, many times, just kind of like, you know, 15, 20 minutes at a time. Uh, I don't know. I have a deep uh, appreciation for it. And rewatching it, it definitely held up for me. I was I was really happy rewatching it. And uh, uh, Mila Kunis is amazing. And Kristen Bell is amazing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, that's my, you know, that's kind of my review. This is one of my uh, favorite modern comedies. Um, yeah. Um, I think it is the best of the sort of Judd Apatow, whether it's like directed, produced, adjacent, whatever. Yeah, I, he didn't I, direct this; he produced it, and it was mm-hmm. sort of. A, I mean, it was it was in that like frame of like he when he was like super big, and he could just kind yeah. of make these things happen, you know. So, I, I think this film has the most heart out of all of his films mm-hmm. that he's been involved with. I mean, it, it, it takes the typical heartbroken schlub, uh, wants his old love back uh, when a much better girl is right there in front of him kind of idea. Like, that's kind of a trope, basically. Yeah. Um, and I think it does it really well. It would be I, easy to see the, like, bad teen comedy. Not not We do a lot of these, mm-hmm. like, bad teen comedies. Yeah. It would be easy to see the bad teen comedy version of this, which you and I would appreciate, but this goes, like significantly deeper and it feels like a more human story than just the sort of like oh and then there's the hot girl at the desk who like they fall in love sort of thing you know no that's the thing i like about this best is like i think unlike a lot of the sort of like either judd apatow directed or judd apatow produced films this one actually sort of really gets at that idea breakup loss and and it, it treats it really fairly. Like it it doesn't canonize either character. Like it, it's like Sarah Marshall and uh, Peter. Both of them are treated fairly in this. Like equally. Like yeah. their 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 flaws and their merits are put on screen, and it it allows the the viewer to you know judge both of those characters and. Well, you um, see how they're both kind of decent people, but also why they weren't a good fit for each other, you know? Yeah, and, no. Like, you know, like, kind of at the end, he gets to kind of go off and, and be with someone else. But, uh, you know, maybe it was kind of a lost opportunity for both of them. Maybe that, I mean, you know, like, there there is there is a depth to the the uh, characterization that you know, you can you can kind of see. Like, there there is a humanity to this, you know? I rewatched it today for, for the podcast, and... 
I just wrote this little thing here that uh, I, f- I fucking don't know if it actually legitimately uh, applies or not, but I'll just throw it out there. But uh, Peter and Sarah drift apart in ways that Peter's character flaws didn't allow for him to see, but we do see how good they are for each other in other respects, that they can be true of relationships that uh, we all sort of know. Like, I think everyone sort of had a relationship like this where it, it feels like it's going gonna, it's gonna to go on forever, but it stops. And there's, you know, there's, there's good parts of that relationship that you sort of take on after that in your life. Like, you know, yeah. there are better people for it. And when the pain fades away or dulls enough for them to realize it. So, like, it, like I, I think it's about, like, people... Maybe they weren't meant for each other, but even the time they spent together was enough to like build them. Yeah, they they were both improved by the relationship, and I yeah. and I think you know like he you know you kind of get he's like kind of the overgrown man child. He's like kind of like eating cereal out of a oh, giant he's, bowl. He's and, a fucking you know. man child. But but he but he's also like a like a creative person and he's yeah. got kind of his own thing and you know like she's kind of like teaching him you know uh, you also get like he goes through like a series of depressions and and like you know mm-hmm. like he does the you know there was that week where I wore sweat point, sweatpants for seven days yeah. which is sort of like in the film gets treated as a as a bit of a you know it's a joke you know it's kind of like yeah. you know he does the like you know Gandalf thou shall not pass which was a slightly more relevant reference in two thousand eight. <laughs> <laughs> than it is today uh, you know um but at the same time it's uh you know it's it's a portrait of someone who has like kind of a deep-seated um kind of emotional issue i mean one of the i mean one of the great uh scenes he's like sitting at the piano and he's like kind of just like kind of goofing around and trying to write and uh you know he kind of goes you know peter you suck you're so self-loathing <laughs> you know and he's and it's such a like you know i don't know any i don't you know, any person who's ever tried to to write, any person who's ever tried to produce anything creative, any person who's, you know, we put out this podcast, and I mean, I won't I won't speak for Lee, you know, but you know, I've tried to do some writing, I've tried to do some creative work, and like it's 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 a very uh, that feels really like uh, on the nose. It feels really really personal. Mm-hmm. It feels very you know kind of authentic to that to that experience of of. Being a person trying to do creative work who has like a deep seated self loathing, yeah, who knows he's kind of lucky to be able to do this, but also you know kind of kind of hates the whole process of it, and you know like I I don't know like there there are so many moments in this film that have that have uh, that that kind of resonance, you know, which is not what you get from you know typically like oh it's like a little silly you know thirty million dollar comedy like no there's there's some real stuff in this you know. Jason Siegel as Peter, I, I feel like he works so much better than the protagonists of a lot of these Judd Apatow produced films or directed films, where he's he's likable. Like, you can understand where he's coming from. A lot of these protagonists in a lot of these films are just fucking assholes. They're just man-children that are, mm. like, irredeemable. But I, I feel like Jason Siegel as Peter here you can kind of understand where he's coming from, even though it's like kind of lays it on thick. That's like, you need to get over this. <laughs> you need but, to it, just... but, but within the context of the film, it's, it's all within a few weeks. So it's not, yeah. you know, like, look, if I was dating Kristen Bell for five years, 
yeah, you know, it might take me more than three weeks to kind of get over that. Like not that's to, true. That's not, true. not to. But then again, if I met Mila Kunis, I might be like, ah, well, you know, I've. Oh, uh, if I met Mila Kunis, it's like Chris and Bell. Who the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> this movie does a way better job of making us sort of relate to protagonists and like want him to succeed than any of these other films in this sort of. Uh, wheelhouse i guess i guess right right uh, sure, do yeah. yeah and and i like it a lot like i like the performances i i fucking love mila kunis's performance in this she's just so real i get i guess is the way to say it well, like she has it's it's a little bit of a thankless performance because ultimately she has to be the girlfriend like the like the love interest yeah. but also she has to she has to do a lot, but also kind of recede into the background, right? Because she's not the lead. She's not one of the kind of, like, you know, lead people. I mean, you know, she's not Sarah. She's not, uh, you know, like... Oh, but, I mean, watching this, she feels like one of the leads to me, though. Oh, like... no, no, she does feel like one of the leads, but that's that's ultimately, like, that's a, that's a mark on her talent and on the writing, uh, to be yeah. fair. You know, not to... Um, but, but ultimately, like, it's not... It's not really her movie. We're following Jason Siegel around, and right. we're kind of like that. The whole thing is about him forgetting his ex girlfriend, as opposed to you know, kind of like you know, finding this kind of new love. And she has to kind of be, um, sorry, Mila Kunis has to be sort of like available and sexy and amazing and adorable, and sort of has to work through that kind of emotional thing. But like, we're not ever really focused on her as a person except for in a couple of scenes which yeah. i want to like talk about here in a second and so like i i just i really admire actors and i and I, my writing that can kind of like uh give us a, a an image of this kind of multifaceted character within this uh kind of ultimately what's a what's a supporting role you know where mm-hmm. and i'm it would be very easy for her to be her to be just sort of the the kind of the prize that that Jason Segel gets at the end for, like kind of realizing his uh, emotional relationship with Kristen Bell is not what he wanted it to be, you know. And yeah. she's just and and uh, Mila Kunis is just sort of the like oh she's the consolation prize you get for like realizing that. Yeah. And instead, you actually get like kind of a real back and forth relationship, and I think that's partly due to the writing and partly due to Mila Kunis's. Um, acting uh and one of the things i mean you know <laughs> i was thinking about um re-watching this i was thinking about how uh we had talked about in uh, a previous episode the uh sort of the 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 tourism industry um in southern california i had talked about like the uh the like the homelessness problem in hawaii and that's yeah sort of thing. You know, she's very much like kind of on that on that realm. You know, she's someone who yeah. like traveled to Hawaii. I mean, in in character, not Mila Kunis as a person, but in character, <laughs> she's someone who uh, traveled to Hawaii. Who like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to be like, I'm, how how do you not want to live in Hawaii? And then ultimately, like, well, I'm going to work at the front desk of a fucking hotel. And like ultimately, she's doing better than like the vast majority of people in Hawaii. And like we get a sense of kind of the service industry in in Hawaii. And ultimately, it's sort of the sanitized kind of version of this. And we get, but Jason Siegel, one of the things that makes us like Peter as a character is the way that he gets along with kind of all the like people behind the scenes in this. Yeah. And you kind of get the sense of oh yeah, the bartenders. And like there's the one guy who's kind of like uh, he's got a little bit of a 
a rivalry with or whatever, but like ultimately there there's a there's a there's a sense of uh you know, he likes the help and the help likes him and you and you get that kind of that back and forth and you kinda get the sense of like, yeah, we're all kind of working class like schlubs together. And that's something that again you never see in this kind of movie of like an actual like sense of, you know, yeah, I'm on my own on vacation. I mean <laughs> I could totally see, like, you know, I got out of a bad breakup. I've got a couple of grand in the bank. I'm going to fly to Hawaii and spend, like, a week right. and just drink my way through solving this in my emotional life and just kind of, like, hanging out with bartenders for a week, you know. And there's a, you know, like, again, there's a reality there. There's a, there's a you know, somebody, like, thought their way through this. and I And I love... Some of my favorite characters are the uh, are the background characters, the uh, the, the, oh, the, yeah. the quote unquote the help in this film. You're right, Jason Siegel's character, he basically just is given a pass. Neil Kunis' character is just I'm gonna sort of initiate you into this world because he he shows up as I haven't reserved anything. Can you just give me a room? And it's like, well, we don't have any real rooms. We have the six thousand dollar a night room. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's like, well, oh, fuck, I can't afford that shit. And he's like, well, no one ever fucking books it, so... This is this is like when Oprah, or who is it, Dakota Fanning or somebody? Dakota Fanning it? eventually takes it, yeah, but it's Who like, at the time was like 12 years old, which is another, like, kind of, you know, a gag, you know, like... It's fucking funny as shit, and it really is. But which, also, which also speaks to, like, the kind of level of, you know, like just that, that kind of, like, the working class, upper class kind of divide, yeah. where, you know, yeah. there are two classes of people. There's the, like, people who are, like, literally killing pigs to uh feed people on this island and then there's dakota fanning coming in and spending like six thousand dollars a night on a hotel room and there's nothing in between no. like, you know, <laughs> yeah but you know mila kunis is looking out for the lower class she's looking out for the disenfranchised and she's because like she's, she's one of them you know yeah yeah and so she's like i'll put you in this room and this is like unofficial shit and uh, I mean, if we have to kick you out, we're gonna kick you out. But other than well, otherwise, like, you gotta clean up. You gotta clean up. But you know, like, like she kind of she kind of does the under the table thing when she kind of mm-hmm. you know she's definitely like yeah I could get fired for this, but you know whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, she she's super sympathetic to him because I mean yeah. he's he's a broken fucking well, dude. When that... she sees like when she sees like his you know movie star or TV star kind of ex-girlfriend with like her movie star boyfriend it's like oh that's fucked up you know I'll give yeah, you yeah. you know and and even then you kind of get the sense of like it's not it's not like a, a sort of pity fuck she's throwing him at the end you kind of get no. like yeah no I've got a, I've got a feeling of like oh yeah you're a decent guy and I kind of like you and like it's like it's weird, like for a movie that's two hours long, there's a little bit of a slow burn in terms of the romance. Like it's, mm-hmm. it, you kind of get a sense of like there's a progression there, you know. The movie's very interested in like giving you like vignettes of different characters. You, you get like the fucking Paul Rudd character who was just like mm-hmm. the surfer. <laughs> my my, <laughs> Hawaii... <laughs> my Hawaiian name is like can you? And it's like I'll, I'll give you your Hawaiian name. You know, it's like I. Where did you get your Hawaiian name from? Well, I looked up on Google. Like, they have a translator. You know, it's like, I, yeah. and it's like his name's it's like, like what, a Hawaiian name, like, website in 2008. <laughs> like, I put in my name, Craig, and it told me, oh, your Hawaiian name is Kunu. Yeah. I, 
I'm a total white colonizer of this, but I'm kind of a decent human being, but I'm also deeply stupid. And so, uh, well, yeah. he, he forgets. And, I mean, they can't say, they can't say, I guess, you know, like, oh, I smoke a lot of weed, like, yeah, all the time. Like, like, that's, that's the only thing that just doesn't kind of get, like, quite included as a, you know, you know, one is kind of a straightforward character it's, trait, but like you kind of get that. You it's know. so implied, though. Like yeah. he asked, he asked Jason Siegel's characters, like, "You got any weed?" Like you know that that's the cure to your ails. You got any weed? No. Oh, all right. You want to go but, surf then? <laughs> yeah, let's go surf then. And then he forgets who Jason Siegel is when they meet again. Like he's that fucking out of it. But yeah, I, I do love those. Like, but if you lived on the beach in Hawaii, I mean, if I had lived on the beach in Hawaii, like I don't care, you know, whatever, like you know. Yeah, this this film is pretty much like a masterclass in awkwardness. Like, it, oh yeah, it's it's the king of cringe comedy. Ultimately, I, I was watching this film. I was like, oh god, <laughs> oh god, that's uncomfortable. Like, I I was feeling like physically uncomfortable watching some of these situations where like Peter was inserting himself in situations where it's like dude you need to walk the fuck away like you need to well, fuck. well the film knows that it's putting us into uncomfortable situations and it like makes an uncomfortable situation out of the way that it puts us in those situations like at one point uh Mila Kunis and Jason Segel are like kind of going down for dinner at the like the 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 outdoor like restaurant bar or whatever yeah and uh, they run into they they have a reservation. They run into like our movie star rock star couple, who, oh yeah, it's gonna be five minutes for you. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. It's so terrible. It's gonna be five minutes for you. Oh, also the people who have a reservation get to kind of like walk right in, and then like there's a, oh no, I'm sorry. Like have a good dinner, et cetera, et cetera. And then like almost as an aside, like well you can come join us if you want. Yeah. And then like. You know, at this point, there's a sort of character moment where um, Kristen Bell's character, uh, Sarah Marshall, is kind of on the, I might want to get back with my ex-boyfriend. Yeah. And so I'm going to kind of take any excuse to spend more time with him. And she's like, yeah, sure, that sounds good. And then they're all kind of like, um, 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 is this happening? I guess it's happening. <laughs> I guess I guess this is what we're doing. Okay, uh, we'll get a couple extra menus, and then suddenly they all sit down, and it's one of the great like scenes oh, in the film, a, you know. It's but it's also my... like it's such a great like sort of like comedy of of errors. It's a yes. it's a great little like it's all in the dialogue and it's all in the moment, and like I think that's the thing that I love about the film is that it's not even about. You know, the situation is set up, but ultimately it's about sort of like at that point you understand these four characters enough to understand how they're going to kind of bounce off of each other and how they're all going to make it awkward for each other, but not in a way that like any particular person seems like an asshole or at least more of an asshole than they already are, you know. The movie takes enough time to make all the characters human. They're not caricatures of anything. Like like even fucking Aldous Snow... At the, at the fucking end of the day, you understand who he is, and right. like you under you understand him as a human being. And that fucking scene at the dinner table where they're all together, that's fucking hilarious shit. Like, yeah. that's one of my favorite scenes as as far as like a, a comedic movie goes. They play off each other, and it you don't expect them to go the way they go, where they start basically fighting. 
amongst each other in a, mm-hmm. in a way that you don't think they would. And it's fucking beautiful. Like, it, it's just so well done. Oh, and also there's like a Hollywood element where it's like, oh, that movie sounds great. When's it coming out? Oh, it came out. It's already out. Oh, well, we don't always get these things on the islands. You understand? Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. The film came out like nobody cared. This we we wouldn't happened, get, you know. we, yeah, in Hawaii, we wouldn't we, we get that killer don't necessarily cell phone get, movie. Yeah, killer <laughs> cell phone movie. <laughs> and, and I love I fucking love how fucking Peter and Russell Brand fucking they they, they, they eye each other. They're kind of like they're kind of like eh, you know. They deconstruct well, the fucking movie like it's bullshit. They could have took the fo- the batteries out of the cell phone. Movie you take, done. You take the batteries out of the cell phone. <laughs> the thing is, the thing is over. Yeah, no, like. Yeah, no, <laughs> and then and then Kristen, I was like. No, it's it's a psychological thing. It's like you have to get into the mindset of the character. It's like, no, this movie is crap. Like this movie is yeah. bad. This movie was bad. You know, like we which we've watched a lot of bad movies for this podcast, yes. and you know, <laughs> like, you know, we understand the the way that works, and uh, we you know there there is a, there is a logic to bad movies, but uh, at the same time, uh, you know, it's worth kind of going like you take the battery out, it's over, you know, like uh, yeah. Yeah, no, this movie sounds like something that was released direct to video kind of thing. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, it, it sounds it sounds like it sounds like so, especially like in context. And this is one of those like like look, I don't live in Los Angeles. I'm not someone who like works quote unquote in the industry or whatever, but I'm someone who you know, follows it enough to kind of understand and you know, like I know people who live in Los Angeles and you know, I've kind of read enough and it it does kind of feel very authentic to that experience of you know she's a tv actress she's got kind of a starring role in this tv show and she took a a movie role in this kind of shitty horror movie that's about a cell phone that eats people or whatever (laughs) uh you know kind of went off and did it and like so many actors like they basically like pick these kinds of roles because like oh i got to go to singapore for a week or whatever and like we wouldn't want to do that and like they kind of literally fold it in. I mean, not that you know. I mean, you know, and um, it does feel really authentic to that. It also is a, it's kind of about her uh, because it, it, it uh, like halfway through the film, we learn that her show has been canceled, and mm-hmm. uh, her response of being like, you know, I'm in my mid, I'm in my kind of, I'm 26, I'm in my late 20s, and uh, I'm an actress and. Uh, that's a thing that like Kristen Bell, I like as a person at that point who like nowadays we kind of know that like she um, has kind of gone on to, to be on the good place and she's kind of an, um, an amazing human being <laughs> in general. Well, um, I mean, but she uh, was kind of coming out of Veronica Mars at that point yeah, and kind of yeah. had a very, you know, you, you kind of see that as kind of her talking about uh, like kind of her own experience of like, am I done? Is this the end of it? Um, yeah, who knows? Well, yeah, no, Russell Brand, like, he, he talks to her, and it's like, you're not 30 yet. Like, you still got a couple years before your career is over. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's basically what he's saying. Which is, which is, which is very, you know, which is very accurate to, you know, very like, accurate, look, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're a young woman who gets on, like, an NBC, like, a shitty NBC show, it's like, well, save your fucking money, 
and uh, you know you you don't have much longer to to go, but you're gonna make a shitty movie, you're gonna make a shitty TV show, and then that's gonna be it for you. And uh, obviously, <laughs> Kristen Bell is like an incredibly talented like actress, but like you could definitely you know that that isn't like by itself a, 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 a guard against that. Honestly, what, what uh, a fucking accurate fucking parody here! Like, yeah, crime scene scene of the crime. Yes, like, yes. It's so fucking good. Like it's, it's like it's, so... it's definitely half CSI, half Law and Order, and this was very like 2008 on NBC as well. Like it, it feels very. Yeah, it, it's not even CSI Law Law and Order. It, it's the uh, um... it's the shitty knockoffs. It's like Medium and like all the you know all the all the. Not even that. The one that was on CBS, which is like the fucking. Um, the one where they were like tr- traveling around the world in jet planes, like finding oh, cr- criminal minds. Criminal yes, minds. that's what it was. It was criminal minds. It's that bad. <laughs> I love it. Fucking, they show scenes from it where they're just like thrown off bad lines. It's like <laughs> where well, he's like, going, he's gonna need to know how to masturbate. <laughs> <laughs> And then he's parroting the fucking CSI shit where he, he takes his sunglasses off to say the lines or whatever, or puts them on. Whatever the fuck it was. The David Caruso parody. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So fucking good. This movie is very much about, like, side characters. I fucking love fucking Bill Hader in this. As yep. the, the brother-in-law. and And his wife. And these are two characters who married, like, right off. Like, they never had girlfriends or boyfriends beforehand, basically. So they're, like, they're like you know, true loves, and they married. And they're so clueless to, like, reality in the bigger sense of the word. But at the same time, they give, like, relationship advice to Peter. And uh, there's, there's a moment, like, at the very beginning where, uh, you know, when... Peter is kind of in his uh, like depression, and he's talking about, you know, Sarah. She got me like plastic containers for my cereal to keep my cereal fresh, and like she was the best girl ever. And then uh, Bill Hader, you know, kind of goes like, "Do you want to have this conversation?" And like, there's a moment where like Jason Segel is like, "Uh," and then he goes, "Yes," and then it's like. You're talking about my wife. You're talking about my girlfriend. You know, this yeah. is not like a conversation that you want to have. This is not <laughs> like you. You're being insulting to me and everyone he, around me. He, he legit says that his girlfriend is better than Bill Hader's wife. <laughs> like that. Right. 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 <laughs> and uh, you know, which which is kind of just one of those like you know you you are insulting me and the people around me and it's, like but yeah. I love the moment where he says like do you want to have this conversation is this really a thing that you want to do because like that's also like a, a moment you know like yeah, no. look I understand you're in pain and I'm gonna give you like a wide berth on this but if you <laughs> want to have this conversation we're gonna have this conversation you know and sometimes you need that kind of tough love uh, you know yeah, so. no. But but I, I I love how goofy they are because like there's another sequence where he he talks to him on the computer where Bill Hader starts putting green screen background backgrounds yeah. on his computer. Oh, we're in Hawaii too, and they get to, like the whole 
fucking Hawaiian <laughs> yeah, dance luau. It's a, it's, a, it's a luau. No, you're talking yeah. about a hula. No, it's a luau. It's a luau. Look, and you know, like these are these are wealthy white people doing wealthy white people things. You know, like and I, and the I, film understands that there it's it's full of shit. You know, but uh, it's great. <laughs> I, I love Bill Hader's wife. Like she's so mm-hmm. earnest and just like she wants to help, and she's so incapable of, of helping at all. But it's it's great. It's so fucking good. It's, it's... I I, th- I thought you would like Jack McBrayer's wife in this. Ultimately, you know the uh, the the uh, ultra conservative redhead who just wants to get. Oh no! Oh time. no! I'm I'm fucking fully. I, I was going to talk about this. I well, was we fully do this. on board for her because yeah. yeah, there there's this conservative Christian couple yes. at this resort, and she wants. She's not so convicted like she doesn't have the convictions that he has she wants well, she to did, fuck she 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 does not like once you're married like dude you got to go down on me is essentially mm-hmm. what's happening and uh you've got to like actually like be comfortable with yourself and i kind of like rewatching it now i was kind of like he kind of feels like a like an asexual person like someone who's yeah like just kind of just which is fine like i don't have any uh you know but he feels like someone who's just kind of disinterested in the whole process but uh, ultimately he loves his wife and he gets advice from the rock star which is yeah. totally a thing that happens and then they have a sex scene where she says sex (laughs) (laughs) which is fucking amazing and she's fucking super hot and and yeah dumped a religion and just fuck just fuck just 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 just, sex is better than religion ultimately that's that's the that's the statement that I think we can all uh, enjoy on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, the build-up to that is, like, what are they doing? Because we see a couple sex scenes between them before that conversation uh, takes place where I guess he's basically just poking her belly with his penis or something? Yeah, he just doesn't. He just doesn't know what's going on, and like ultimately, they don't have the, you know, and ultimately, what you need, you need a pervert to like tell you, like, oh, oh yeah, here's what no, you, you, you need that's... all the snow to, like, uh, give you a fucking tasking exercise of sexual positions with uh, large chest pieces on the beach. So, the goal is to achieve full penetration while stimulating the clitoris mm-hmm. and if you can get the anus involved that's the that yeah. that's the, that's the extra bonus Apparently, which yeah. is also advice i would give you know it's whatever you're into yeah 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 sure no that that's actually yeah no you know if everybody's into that you're good you know but but ultimately the goal is you know like full penetration and also like stimulating the clitoris and yeah, no, uh, you know I feel like that would be a good transition. Let's talk about Aldous Snow because, uh, what what do you think of Russell Brand overall? I feel like I I kind of go back and forth on Russell Brand depending on like, kind of where he is in the news, but I feel like he's like mostly a force for good at least in 2019. I feel like he's you know 
<laughs> like as deeply kind of stupid as a celebrity that he mm-hmm. is, as someone who's been a millionaire for a long time. He's also someone who has like kind of called out other major media figures for, you know, kind of not understanding the needs of the working class. And that's and and so I'm I'm kind of on the like Russell brand, you know, like as far as millionaires go, you're you're kind of in the top tier as far as I'm concerned. And maybe I'm just kind of not remembering some terrible thing that he's done, uh, you know, but but I'm, you know, I'm I'm kind of on board with you, Russell Brand. Like he's he's someone who, despite being incredibly wealthy, sort of understands like kind of working class issues. And like so far as I know, is not like said like trans people need to be put into ovens or anything. So, you know, yeah, like, yeah, I know. I haven't heard that one yet from him, yeah. Um, no, I, I I like him. Um, yeah. I, I think his heart's in the right place when he, when he gets goes political. Um, <laughs> as, as far as acting goes, I think he's great in this. Uh, I think his character's much more deeper than the film fucking gives him credit for. Mm-hmm. And, I mean... He, well, yeah, but I've got herpes right now, but it's not inflamed, exactly. and so it's not really an issue for us to have to talk about right now, so we're yeah. fine. No, but all the characters in this film are, like, deeply flawed for the most part, yeah. like, outside of, like, I think, I think like, Mila Kunis, like, most of the characters in this film oh, are... Oh, well, she has her issues, don't She don't does. Me no, she does, but, I mean, like the main characters I think are much more fucked up than she is by any degree. But they're I also think, like wealthier than she is. And so by definition, yeah, more there, there is, so, there is a class distinction there. Yes. Yeah. But I think like Russell Brand, his character here, you can get a sense of he's kind of real as much as he feels like a fake and a phony. He's actually kind of legitimately kind of a real guy. Well, he's that he's that kind of guy who's like the celebrity who's like embracing the sort of like I'm a citizen of the world. That's actually a yeah. phrase used in the film. I'm a teetotaler. I kind of got off drugs, and I'm kind of that like kind of like hippie persona. And I really like when well, I'm going to sleep around a whole lot, and I'm kind of a douche, but kind of in a way that like, well, what did you expect, like? If he was just more honest about it, he'd have less of an issue. It's just that he's like kind of misleading people in his life yeah. and making them think he's kind of monogamous. But then again, you know, like it's revealed in the film, he's been sleeping with Kristen Bell with Sarah Marshall for like a year while she was still <laughs> like dating uh, Peter. And then, like, she gets mad at him for, like, sleeping with the, like, um, the maid or whatever. And it's like, uh, no, you don't kind of get to do that because I yeah, was cheating no, on, you, you know. You knew what you were buying into. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and he just kind of, like, he's he's kind of that wealthy asshole who uh, gets to be the... Um, kind of that marker for that kind of like several uh, several sexual liberation sort of thing which kind of becomes a i don't know it's kind of a problematic trope but also like yeah, i mean it, it kind of works in, in in context and it works in character and you sort of get like again like he's a, this film is very gentle like he's a really yeah. decent human being regardless like you know he still is kind of a you know even though he's a rich asshole he's still kind of a, a decent person and you kind of get moments of him like actually being super cool and that's kind of awesome that's the thing about this film I I don't feel like any of the characters outside of uh, Mila Kunis's ex-boyfriend are pieces of shit the majority of the characters in this are like they're good people and they just want to get along 
And I totally believe that, like, Mila Kunis fucked over the ex-boyfriend in some way, like, based on, like, you know, let's not. (laughs) (laughs) I think think a lot of us have dated the sort of, like, like, kind of gotten into relationships with people who, like, Uh oh, yeah, I had a bit of a chaotic past and then kind of run into the ex and, oh, no, I've heard you're, like, a super asshole. And it's like, well, yeah, but she, like, keyed my car or whatever. And it's like, oh, right. Uh yeah, uh not that way anymore. Or maybe still is that you know, you kind of get the sense of, you know, like Jason Siegel dating Mila Kunis in, in this film is uh you know who knows how long that's gonna last ultimately, you know. Yeah. There is a bit of a kind of I mean, you know, we we get the happy ending, like that's fine, but ultimately we do, yeah. Uh, you know, ultimately you do get the sense of like she's a spitfire. She has a personality and she has a she has her own past and despite the fact that we don't kind of understand like why the guy is mad at her, I don't think that it's difficult to understand with that character, like why he might be mad at her, if that makes sense, you know? Well, I mean, they do make a point of throwing this really uh, misogynistic culture kind of thing into yeah. it where where she uh, showed her tits in like a photo and yeah. that gets pasted <laughs> into the bathroom. You know, if you Google like Mila Kunis nude, not that I would ever do such a thing or anything. No, no, no. Uh, that photo shows up in the uh, yeah, in the which is by the way, guys, it's fake. It's not a it's real. Fake. Tits. It's not her real yeah. tits. No, it's not. No, she's in a weird culture of like machismo and shit like that, and she kind of sees Jason Siegel's character as like an escape from that because he's right. I mean, well, he's the nice guy, and there's a there's a kind of like, you know, awful subculture and sort of the nice guy subculture, which you know in 2008 was kind of in its nascent form. I mean, there is a kind of reading of this of like, you know, uh, sort of as that sort of MRA, yeah, tell bullshit thing. But I don't think we're forced into that. I think we're forced. No. I think I think we're allowed to kind of see like, yeah, he actually is just sort of a. A decent human being who wants to kind of be with her and wants to kind of bring her out of that he doesn't go out of his way to court her which i think is the interesting thing it's more like he meets her and there's kind of this connection but it it, it does it does take a little bit of time to to, to burn you know it does it, it isn't it doesn't feel forced it doesn't feel like no. he goes out of his way to kind of make it happen or that she like falls for him for no reason it's more like they have a legitimate connection and um, they, they go on a couple of dates and she likes him and she fucks him. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's awesome. That's the yeah. way this is supposed to go. <laughs> like, you yeah, know. no. And that's good enough. Like that, that ends the film where they come together and who knows what happens after then. It, it, it really doesn't matter. The big thing about this film is him getting out of the funk of being a depressed, uh, heartbroken fucking fool. And maybe he grows up a little bit. He grows up at least a bit more. Well, you definitely get the sense of like once he comes back from Hawaii, he works on the musical and he actually yeah. like does something creative with his life. And you know, you see him like kind of on the treadmill, and you see him kind of like like he 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 kind of gets his shit together a little bit. And uh, you know, that's 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 kind of the you know, it's not about like kind of being the Adonis. It's not about being uh, you know, it's just about kind of being the better person and kind of, you know, like moving on. And ultimately, in that sense, uh the, the vacation actually did do what it was meant to do. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and also kind of his like running into Sarah there, you know, and having yeah. 
the kind of back and forth and having the, you know, 10 to 15 seconds of war or whatever that he got from her. <laughs> uh, you know, in that kind of aborted uh, attempt at, uh, you know, uh, um, the, you know, kind of a get together. Um, it does strike me as like, I kind of get that moment of like, oh, you run into that action. You're like, you know, oh, I'm, oh, yeah, no, I'm totally down for kind of rekindling this. And then you kind of get in that moment and like, oh, well, I'm, you know, my dick isn't isn't quite like going for this. I'm not quite yeah. like emotionally here for this. Like I wanna, <laughs> I wanna fuck you, Kristen Bell, but also, uh, you yeah, know, my dick's not liking your mouth. That's all there and, is to it. And that's not and that's not a matter of my dick. That's a matter of like my my soul just isn't is it just isn't. Yeah, uh, you know, I, yeah. I I want I want Mila Kunis to suck my dick, and I mean, yeah. Well, I can't. I can't. Who, dis- and, I can't. I can't who, disagree. Who doesn't ultimately? <laughs> It's like, dude, I'm on board. The idea that Jason Siegel has like both fucked Kristen Bell and Mila Kunis is the uh, is the great uh, is is the great paradox of our age. <laughs> and then if you've if you've uh, watched How I Met Your Mother, it's like he's been married to Allison Hannigan for eight seasons or whatever, you know? which is like also well done. Have you watched How I Met Your Mother? I've seen screen caps. I, I I loved you since fucking Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so it's like there's no change there. It's just like you're hot. I love you. Do your thing. That's... The the whole the whole point of those two characters is that they fuck constantly. So you know, good for both of them. Yeah, and she kind of wants to have a you know a girl on girl experience with her best friend. So you know, oh, uh... that too. So uh, not that I'm telling not that I'm telling you you should watch uh, How I Met Your Mother, but it's a I think you would appreciate the show. Is what I'm saying. I, I like that when uh, Jason Segel like he he gets co- coerced by Mila Kunis into doing his Dracula song in the bar. Oh God, that is my that is one of my favorite scenes in any movie. Is it's fucking comes, great. They come in. They they sit at the bar. You've heard his like narrative about like the Dracula musical and yeah. his, like. Oh yeah, we're doing like uh, Dracula, and I think it's a musical, and maybe there are puppets involved. And like in my head, when I saw it the first time, sound like, well, that sounds like a giant piece of shit, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then like they sit at the bar, and then like she knows the guy, and it's just kind of like you know, oh, she sets it up to where he gets to like kind of go. She forces him to go do a song from the thing mm-hmm. because she. It's kind of fucking with him, but also kind of wants to hear the music and kind of wants to encourage him to kind of like, she's the free spirit. Like there, there's a manic pixie dream girl thing, but it, it works better than that. Right. He gets up there and he sits at the piano, super awkward, like lurch like behavior, you know, where Mm -hmm. he's just kind of like, I can do something else. I mean, I can, I can play a lot of things. I don't have to do this like stupid. And then you just hear from off screen, Mila Kunis going, Dracula musical. (laughs) (laughs) Which is one of the funniest moments. (laughs) And then like, you know, he plays and like, God, I hope that whole like sequence is on this podcast. It's one of my favorite. We might do it. We might do it. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing, you know. Dracula's Lament, like, and once you hear it, it's like, yeah, that was that's actually really good. It's really, it's really, really good. What I really love about that is it doesn't go with the traditional sex comedy or just comedy tropes where he wins the entire fucking bar over. 
He right. doesn't do it. He doesn't win the entire bow he wins, he, he wins. He wins over her. He wins over like three because, or four people because she because she understands that like this is something that matters to him. Yeah. And it's like it's like this heartfelt thing as opposed to, you know, like like a crowd pleaser, you know. That guy doesn't win everybody over in the bar. He wins maybe half the bar if he's lucky. And the rest of people are like, what the fuck is this shit? Most and people then, are just kind of sitting there and going like, yeah, whatever, you know. It's getting hard to believe it's going to get better. It's so hard to believe it's going to get better. You know, we, we, we shouldn't do this. It's a, you know, <laughs> shouldn't, shouldn't torture the audience. But. No. Uh, trivia for this. So the film was based on uh, scriptwriter Jason Siegel's experience breaking up was with Linda K- Carlini. Carlini, yeah. yeah. As well as three other breakups, apparently, with unspecified women. So, uh, okay. Well, and they worked on uh, Freaks and Geeks together, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, you know, part of that same, like, kind of Jet Apatow, like, crew. So, yeah, I know that makes sense. Yeah, is, isn't one of his, like, co-stars from Freaks and Geeks one of the women he f- screws and the, like, the montage of uh, a women that uh, are, are weird? <laughs> oh, God, we didn't even talk about that. It's possible. I don't know. I'm not going to look it up, but, like, possibly, yeah. I, th- I think so. One of them is, that like, the one that's this high all the time. And he says hi back. Like, <laughs> you can gag me if you want. <laughs> you can, yeah, you like, want oh, to? Kinda sh- now. Yeah, yeah, shit, yes. Yeah. I, I, I don't get the problem. I, I don't know. <laughs> In the end, it turns out that, like, he, he uh, breaks up with Mila Kunis, like, after, like, three months of dating and then goes back to that girl and ends up deeply invested in the BDSM scene in Los Angeles. Yeah. The, uh, that's mean, where we end up. Yeah, that that that's a good that's a good ending as well. Yeah. No, any uh, any any ending that is like, and then he's not fucking Mila Kunis anymore is a bad ending. But you know, like, uh, you yeah, know. no, I I would be disappointed because it's like if Mila Kunis wanted to fuck me, like that's a lifetime investment. <laughs> like, like, I'm I'm not I'm not stopping. Like that that's that's the end of it. Like women. I don't know women. I know Mia Lacunas, and that's the end of it. <laughs> right. Russell Brand also played Aldous Snow in uh, Get Him to the Greek from 2010. Like, there's an extended universe here. Right, yeah, yeah, no. At least there was, an, there was an attempt, and I think Get Him to the Greek just didn't do very well, or like that might have extended. No. It would have been funny to see, like, more Judd Apatow, like, you know, like Aldous Snow, like, show up in, you know, more... Jet Apatow films, but uh, Jet Apatow kind of had this like kind of brief resurgence of like kind of relevance for about five years, and then kind of you know it ended. Yeah, DVD info the, for this it was released in a single disc DVD edition, and also a three disc collector's DVD edition. I don't even know where the fuck it was released. <laughs> Universal, I think. It's a movie from 2008. It's available on DVD. It's so everywhere. It. It's it's fucking everywhere. I'm so drunk right now. It's one of these days. There's going to be a Criterion disc, and uh, you know that's the <laughs> that's the one you're going to want to pick up. Imagine forgetting Sarah Marshall on on Criterion. That's the. Uh... You can find this film. That's that's like yeah. kind of the end game here. Yeah. Like if if you can't find this film, you're a moron, basically. Yeah. 
So uh, we're going to be doing Sherlock Holmes films in the next for the month next or so? for the next four weeks or so. Yeah, and uh, I was supposed to uh, pick some titles, and I didn't because a I'm busy, and b I'm kind of a douchebag. So uh, yeah, right. we're going to get on that, but we're going to do yeah. some uh, Basil Rathborn uh, Sherlock Holmes films in the next uh, next week. We'll do one or two of those uh, next week, and. Uh, I just got to pick the titles. I just need to look up and see which ones I want to do. And, um, yeah, that's what we're going to do. Yeah, so, uh, Daniel, tell people where you can find you on the internet. I'm on Twitter at Daniel Lee Harper. I do a podcast about terrible people, uh, Nazis. I don't speak German. Libsyn.com. Very little talking about Mila Kunis' tits on that podcast. That's, yeah. that's disappointing. Yeah, I mean, really, we should try to work that in at some point. <laughs> I mean, you, you should talk about, like, Eric Stryker and the Lacunas' tits at some point. Oh, no, like, those two things do not go well together, you know, at all, you know. Any any conversation about Mila Kunis' uh, adorableness and sexiness and, uh, like, you know, the fact that uh, I think she would have no time for Eric Stryker, ultimately. Oh, no. Also, the audience for this podcast should absolutely not Google Eric Stryker. He's... He's awful. And Mila Kunis drinks far better bourbon than he does. Even though she's like the... Like, she makes me want to drink Jim Beam, ultimately, which is kind of an awful thing for any person to do. (laughs) But the fact that it's Mila Kunis, I'm kind of like, okay, yeah. I'm going to pretend that Jim Beam is way better. Yeah, just because Mila Kunis... Like, the advertising works because it's Mila Kunis. (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) Anyway, anyway... Uh, you can check that out. I don't speak German. com. If you want to listen to me talk about Nazis, uh, but I assume if you're listening to this, you already know that. So yeah, yeah, yeah that's where to find me. And you can find us at tmbdos.podbean.com. You can find our Apple Podcast, Facebook, YouTube links there. Join us on Facebook. Give us uh, commentary. Give us criticism. Review us praise. on iTunes. Fucking iTunes. Give us fucking five stars. Why not? <laughs> The drunkest movie podcast out there, for sure. <laughs> but uh, at least yeah. this episode, if you can find a drunker review of forgetting Sarah Marshall, then we salute you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, until then, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Daniel, and uh, we'll be back when we're back with some fucking Sherlock Holmes fucking films. So until then, goodbye. Goodbye. Tonight we have a special guest from the mainland singing a song from his Dracula musical. Please welcome to the stage, Mr. Peter Bretter. Woo, Peter! Yes, get Thank you. You know, I could I could play something else. I just think out of context, this might Dracula be. Dracula musical. Thank you. Things are going to get better. 
I've been drowning too long to believe that the tide's going to turn. And I've been living too hard to believe things are going to get easier now. I'm still trying to shake off the pain from the lessons I've learned. And if I see Van Helsing, I swear to the Lord I will slay him. Ha 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 ha! He'd take it from me, but I swear I won't let it be so. Ha 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 ha! Blood will run down his face when he is decapitated. Ah! His head on my mantle is how I will let this world know how much I love you. You have been listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. For other episodes, our links to Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and our Facebook group, as well as links to podcasts and websites of similar interest, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through. <laughs>